we believe love can be measured. <laughs> and we, so we say it's, it's based on the recency, frequency, and quality of a person's contribution in your community. Ooh, interesting. If, you, if you know all of those aspects about every person, you can start to model who's leaning in, who's fading away, who your champions are. And it's, it takes into account not only how often somebody's contributing, but what's the value of those contributions. Hello, and welcome to the Business Growth Accelerator. The brilliant person you're listening to is Patrick Woods. Patrick is the founder and CEO of Orbit, which is one of the very few companies that were able to really create a tool to measure the success and the growth of a business community. Patrick's ideas around community are solid gold. He's amazing in explaining some of the most difficult aspects of measuring and tracking and looking at communities. So if growing a community for your business is something you considered or you're doing and you want to learn more, you do not want to miss a second of this really fascinating episode. We are going to explore communities for business, and we're going to talk about what are the levers you can pull in order to track specific parameters that will guide you what you need to do in order to grow your community and grow engagement in it. By the way, we recorded this episode as part of a mini-series about community as part of the CLIX Summit in Memphis. And the funny thing in this particular interview is we were literally recording this as they were tearing down the show floor and the local union workers are literally tearing apart stuff around us. And yet the conversation kept on flowing because it was really a great conversation. And Patrick didn't miss a beat in telling his story in a very concise, engaging, and interesting way. So really stick around. It's going to be worth every second of your time. Growing a business is tough. Believe me, I know. I'm a serial entrepreneur with three startups behind me. One went public, the second busted because of bad decisions by the CEO. That was me, by the way. And the third grew to $100 million in sales as part of a larger company that got sold. It took me 20 years to learn how to do it right, but now I'm on a quest to get you there much faster. I'm hosting senior business leaders, entrepreneurs, and world-class experts. Together, we search for gold, strategies, systems, processes, and practical tips that you can implement to grow your business. You will hear fascinating business stories, really funny moments, and lots of actionable business tips. Welcome to the Business Growth Accelerator. Hello, and welcome to the Business Growth Accelerator. This is Isar Metis, your host, and I'm doing a special episode from CLIX, which is a conference in Memphis uh, put together by, by CLI, which is the uh, Community Leadership Institute. It's an organization that helps community leaders, community managers, community-related companies to really exchange ideas and, and improve the whole idea of businesses that want to leverage communities. It's been fascinating, and with me today as part of that is Patrick Woods, who is one of the founders of Orbit, which is an amazing company that has a very interesting product. So, Patrick, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, what brought you to start a tech company in the community business? Yeah, so thanks for having me. Community has been part of my life journey for a while, so... We're here in Memphis, Tennessee. This is actually my hometown. I live in San Francisco now. I've been there for a while. But when I lived in Memphis, I started a couple of community organizations. So I realized there was um, a real need for 
people moving into Memphis, young professionals to connect and network. That venue didn't exist. So we started an organization called Undercurrent and ran it for about four years up to the point where we were having around 250 people per week coming to our events. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. We had people get jobs, start companies, start dating as a result of our events. And it was, it was very, it was very compelling, like to see that the interactions happen and the community take on a life of its own. Um, we also ran an event called Ignite Memphis. So Ignite is a sort of an open source event format where people pitch ideas and, you know, we were averaging like 450, 500 people, like two times a year at our events uh, around these big ideas for the city. And for me, that was really, I I guess my first, first exposure to the, the, the power of community. So fast forward a few years. I got recruited by a tech company in San Francisco and the, the it, was, it was a developer, it was an API company and the community was a huge part of the way that company created value. There were 30,000 developers in the platform. They helped each other. They, they helped the company, of course. And for me, that was the first time that I saw the, the sort of power of community for self-actualization and growth for the community members, but also for the business as a result in the form of like awareness and acquisition and retention and all that sort of stuff. And the challenge we had at Keen was the the... the, the there were no tools in place. There was no sort of infrastructure to really understand and communicate about the impact and ROI. So, you know, investors started asking questions about why things are so expensive and you're doing all these events and you're sending people around and there wasn't any data there to support the story. So after Keen, I went to a couple of other places and my co-founder, Josh, we actually started working together in late 2018. So Josh was actually at Keen IO as well. He was a, the, the VP of engineering there. He built the first DevRel team at Algolia. So built the sort of the community, the community workflows there. Interesting. And so, yeah, 2018, we were both between jobs and we both had uh, a shared love for community, for developer advocacy, developer relations, and said, why don't we just do some consulting in this space? So we, we did some strategy work, we had project work, but this was sort of like, the, the excuse, consulting is a great excuse to talk to people. We talked to 150 or more leaders in the space. Wow. And we, we realized two, two things. One, there was more and more resources, expectation, capital flowing into community, into developer relations, into this, all these topics we're talking about. And while the expectations were increasing, there still was no tooling to operationalize these, these areas of the business. And so we, we had this thesis that as, as any functional area sufficiently matures, there will be a tool, there will be a platform to help operationalize and scale. So we're like, okay, there's something there. The second thing that we realized is that the, the, the more fundamental problem with every, every company we spoke with, they, they didn't have the appropriate metaphors to reason about the community. And what I mean by okay. that is... By the way, if you're hearing clipping noises, is because they're literally taking apart the conference around us. So Patrick's being a real trooper as we're doing this, and we kind of like we're gonna keep on doing our things, so ignore the noises. And I promise it's gonna be really interesting. It's gonna be great. So if what we realized, believe it or not, the 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 sole commercial metaphor that we've had has been the sales and marketing funnel. It's like. If you're in any meeting, somebody's going to mention a funnel. Yep. And that's the only tool we have. And believe it or not, the funnel as a metaphor was first coined in 1898. Really? It's that, it's that old. Okay. And yeah. And, and, you know, a lot has changed since 1898. <laughs> True. And so we, re- we realized that the funnel is it's excellent. It's excellent for optimizing processes, linear and binary process. So product onboarding where the same, everybody goes to the same four steps every single time or an enterprise sales process where there's a binary purchase or non-purchase. But if yep. you know anything about community, you know, it's neither linear nor binary. Correct. And yet every company was trying to reason about and measure their community with this metaphor. So we said, there's got to be a better way. And so we, we, we had this idea that we actually worked on Josh and I at this, this company we'd worked at years ago. And we said, instead of 
pushing people through a pre-prescribed process. What if you created a community that was so attractive that it had high gravity and naturally pulled people in on their own accord? And so sounds sounds kind of fluffy. So you can actually, we think we can actually measure gravity looking at a few different components. So reach is important. So understanding a person's, you know, how do they have a lot of Twitter, Twitter followers? They have a lot of people subscribing to their newsletter. That's one way to attract people. And more importantly, we think the other piece of, of high gravity is, is what we call love. And again, sounds very fun. It's very community, but we actually have some math. We believe love can be measured. <laughs> and we, so we say it's, it's based on the recency, frequency, and quality of a person's contribution in your community. Ooh, interesting. If, you, if you know all of those aspects about every person, you can start to model who's leaning in, who's fading away, who your champions are. And it, it takes into account not only how often somebody's contributing, but what's the value of those contributions. So like, you know, a, a low, a low weighted activity might be following on Twitter, subscribing to a newsletter, you know, joining the forum. Those are all great, but a higher love, a higher weight activity might be speaking at your conference or yep. inviting people to a thing. And so, you know, the theory was that if you could, if you could understand that about a community, you could really start to understand what's working and what's not. And then if the premise is increasing gravity, now the question is not so much, how do we drive leads through the funnel? It's how do we increase the love and the reach of our community? And there's playbooks for that. So you might have some people who are, that have a lot of love, but they don't have any reach. So you, you give them reach by like having them do a guest post or bringing them on the podcast or having them keynote. You might have some people that are really high reach, but they're very low love. And so that means they're not that engaged. So maybe you reach out to them and like figure out what are they into? What do they need? What are their expectations? And so the, the incentives and the playbooks change when you have the appropriate metaphors. So the Orbit model began its life as a blog post. It was honestly like thought leadership, lead generation for the consulting practice. So we put it out as a blog post and then people started asking us questions about, okay, how do we scale it? What's the underlying math? So we like wrote more content around it, had a small Slack community about around these ideas and people who wanted to talk about it. And then that coupled with the insight around the market, that's, you know, there's no tool yet. It was like, okay, we've got this growing market, we've got this new idea for a mental model that's more appropriate for community world. We should probably like put together a fundraise and like try to do a company and see if we can build this out because like the demand was there. So yeah, so that that was the genesis of the company. We, we raised our initial pre-seed funding, actually pre-product. So we spent the first six or eight months, like very like heavily iterating, quickly iterating COVID hit. So we, we raised our money in late 19 and then COVID, you know, joined us in 2020 in February or so. And so it's a very chaotic first year, just me and my co-founder and one engineer, but fast forward to today, we've got almost 50 employees wow. across the US, UK, Benin, Nigeria, Tel Aviv, Israel, or, um, Italy, a few other places. And, you know, it's we're a global community of people building tools for community builders. So it's great. I've got something like six or 8,000 users from 4,000 companies using the platform. And we're, we've really been able to take these ideas from the Orbit model and put them into code basically and help people scale and automate and build systems around this idea, this mental model that's more fundamental than maybe a traditional CRM. So Amazing. The, the short, long, the short, long version. <laughs> no, you know, I, I'll say a few things. First of all, I love the origin story. It's fantastic, right? Because you came to it with like, who there's a real need and nobody's really solving it. And is it solvable? And you really didn't start by thinking about the product. You start by thinking about the concepts and really the concepts. If I break this down and correct me if I'm wrong, is really broken into reach, which is more like the potential of how much a person can help. Yep. And then the love, which is how much they're actually contributing. Yep. And if you have, and like in a quadrant model, if you can push everybody to the top right quadrant by providing them the right tools, the right access, the right training, the right engagement, the right incentives, then 
then by definition, the value that the community is generating is going to grow. Yes. Yep. Two questions. One is how do you do that? How do you push people towards that top right quadrant? So, okay, now you know. Now you know somebody has a low reach. What do you do? Now you know that somebody is not participating. What's the practical aspects that you see your clients? Because now you have a lot of them. So you have a lot of data. What's the practical aspects that are actually working to help people move up to that quadrant? Yeah. So um, so at a high level, we think it's a, it's really a two-step process of, you know, at the early stages or, or really at any point in a community's journey is thinking about you know, conducting a community, community discovery process. This is much like customer discovery for, for the business, but it seeks to understand who's in the community, what do they need, what are the gaps between where they want to go as a person, as a professional with your tool and where we are today. And so what we find is a, a lot of communities haven't done that. They just sort of like happen to have a community because things are growing fast and it's very exciting. And that's, that's a great place to be, but we, we find it's often useful to sort of level set and understand really, who are these people and kind of get to know them for the first time in many yeah. ways. Yeah, um, yeah. If you can understand that and then overlay that with essentially the assets your community can offer, your, like, what, what do you have? Is it, is it more reach? Is it education? Is it connection to other community members? You start to figure out how those, the needs that you uncover during discovery ladder up to the sort of those outcomes. So very practically, what we see our customers doing as some, some examples off the top of my head include things like you know, like user round tables and like brown bag luncheons, birds of a feather sessions type of things. And so yeah, understanding, yeah. okay, here's, here's a bunch of folks that are, have recently activated. You know, we know that they joined the, the discord server in the past month. And we know based on our community discovery process that if, if they're sending messages in the first month, they're going to stick around for a year. If, if they don't, they churn immediately. And we know based on some conversations we've had that the reason people don't ask questions is because they, there's, a, there's like a lot of psychological barriers. They're afraid to, they're nervous about postings. They don't. Okay. Yeah. So then our customers would say, okay, how do, okay, how do we overcome that psychological barrier? It could be, and these are, these are number of playbooks here. It could be multiple direct messages from community teams, like the community team, like, Hey, welcome to the server. How you doing? We see introduction channels work really well. So like before you can access the rest of the server, for, this is a Discord specific example. Yeah, here, yeah, yeah. It, it could abstract, but like, yeah. Yeah, well, you, you can do the same on Slack. You can do the same yeah, on exactly. Facebook groups. You can do this. Yeah. Tell us your name, tell us your pronoun, where you're from, what are you working on? And like yeah. that momentum starts to like lower the, the perceived risk of participating. Um, but then beyond that, you, you can get really hands-on with saying, okay, here's 10 new people. Here are 10 of my sort of community champions. And they love to help onboard new community members. So we're going to do a mixer the first Thursday of every month, welcoming everybody from past month. We're going to do Q&A. We're, going to, we're just going to do a mixer. We actually had uh, a lot of success early on in our own community. There's a platform called um, Icebreaker. I think they've rebranded. But the, the whole premise of this very simple platform was you would invite people to a, to a room, so 30 people, 50 people, whatever, and it would automatically match make with other people. And you would just be thrown into as like a one-on-one -on -one conversation and it's your face and their face. And you could set the timer. We would do like five minutes. And so it's just enough time to like say, Hey, I'm Patrick. I'm from Orbit. Here's what we're doing. Who are you? And then at the end of your session, it would like slowly fade out <laughs> and, and the conversation was over. You couldn't do anything about it. And like, everybody loved that energy. And so you come out of, you come out of an experience like that and you've met a few new people. There's it's like the, it's like the face-to-face -face digital variation of Twitter, right? You yeah. have a very limited amount of time to say what you want to say. Yeah. But that's part of the magic, right? And so, so you do that a few times. Now you've got people who know each other. Now I'm less afraid to post. I'm less afraid to ask a question because I know these people, I've met them. And so, so we, we see sort of tactics like that where you sort of like use 
tool, you can use a tool like Corbett to understand like, here are the new people that are leaning in. Let's build a playbook to get them even further engaged because we know they want to meet more community members. Here's how we're going to do that. And we're going to track that those activities like back into orbit so you can see the results over time. But but basically, yeah, it's 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 that mapping of the of the needs of the community with what you can offer. It could be tickets to an event, it could be a conversation with the the CEO. Like we will do this, like go like have a chat with the CEO of Orbit, which is weird. Who, who wants to do that? But people like that. So yeah, no, um, people love it. That's that's what I do for a living, right? Is I facilitate these kind of conversations on a weekly basis for somebody who's a founder in the company with the community and it yeah. works amazingly well. So uh, literally brilliant. Like everything you're saying is absolutely fascinating. I'll ask you one last question. And then I guess before they fold our table with us <laughs> in it, I think we better, we better be off. But uh, how does that connect back? So uh, the model is fascinating, but the funnel still exists, yeah. right? There's still a transactional aspect of the business. How these two completely separate universes somehow have touch points and work well without being weird. Yeah. Okay. So, so we have, we talk about this in terms of two, two things. So every company has a go-to-market strategy. Like yeah. This is essential to existing as a business. And yeah. the go-to-market strategy is it's sales, it's marketing, it's, it's selling the product, it's getting revenue, it's figuring out where to find people. And it's essentially about capturing value. Like this is essential to the existence of a business. The, the challenge today is that most companies, every company has a go-to-market strategy, GTM, and they put the community team inside of their go-to-market mm. team. And the, the essential issue here is that the show me, show me what's the, what's the, the monger quote, like show me the incentives. I'll show you the behavior basically. Yeah, yeah. And so when, when you're putting community inside of GTM, the incentives are all about value capture. Okay. So what we, what we talk about, and this maybe sounds conceptual, but every company, not only should have a, a GTM, they should also have a go-to community strategy. And the go-to-community strategy should be a complement and not a replacement for or a component of your go-to-market strategy. And if a go-to-market strategy asks questions around how do we go to market, how do we capture value, the go-to-community strategy should ask questions around how do we create as much value as possible. And the incentives are different. Now, you're, now your community team, are, are they're free to create values. Like what's what do we need based on this community, based on the gap analysis we talked about earlier? Is it is it connection? Is it education? Is it resources? And now they're thinking about how do they create as much value for these people as possible? Okay, so the relationship to the funnel, uh, to use a visual, if you think about the funnel on the bottom, yeah. let me make sure on the mic here. So you've got the funnel for, for go-to-market for value capture. You have what we would call your orbit, your orbit model, your community sitting on top of that. And that's all about value creation. And when it's working, it looks like an ice cream cone with the funnel here, the community here. And just yeah. like an ice cream cone, the bigger this thing gets on top, the more good stuff will fall down into the cone <laughs> as a second order effect. And so Correct. both teams are optimizing for their thing. And the connection happens when there's alignment between the type of value being created for the right type of people that will be capturing value later. So an example of this not working is like the funnel funnels here and your ice cream's over here and ice cream's falling on the ground. That would be like, if you have a if you have a big developer community and, and the, the developers want to talk about frameworks and SDKs and all sort of stuff, so that's that's how the value is going to be captured by you know selling them these sort of resources. Uh, if the community team for that company were you know doing meetups around you know dogs and cats, yeah, yeah. they might be creating a lot of value because people love to talk about dogs and cats, but it's not the type of it doesn't align at it's all. It's still going to feed the funnel. Yeah, exactly. So so it's it's essential that you have clarity on which people inside of a company are thinking about value creation and what you're thinking about value capture, incentivizing them appropriately, and then ensuring that there's alignment between 
the type of value they're creating and the type of people they're creating value for, ensuring that aligns with the downstream effects of the value capture process. And when that works together, it, 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 we've seen it bring a lot of clarity to companies in terms of who's focused on what, what's working and what's not working. Patrick, this was absolutely brilliant. Like literally the concepts, the implementation, you have a really great team and a really good product. And I really appreciate you taking the time. If people want to connect with you, learn more about what you do, how do they do that? Yeah. So I'm on Twitter, uh, just at Patrick J. Woods. Give me a follow. We tweet about this stuff all the time. And then Orbit, you can find us online at orbit.love. That's actually, yep, that's the, that's the domain because, you know, love's a big part of community building. So we put it right there in the URL. This was fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's been really fun and a little noise in the background. Yeah, yeah, hey, we, we got it. We pulled this off. <laughs> Your business growth is my number one priority in this podcast. To do that, I want to bring the biggest names that I can and get you practical tips as frequently as possible. And you can help. Visit Apple Podcasts right now, subscribe, download, rate, and review the podcast. And I would really appreciate it. And if you want my number one tip for business growth acceleration, visit growthaccelerator.biz right now. Oh, yeah.